Welcome to the P4C Podcast. We are excited to reshare with you the last 12 years of teaching through God's Word at Passion for Christ Summit. Each P4C year is full of rich truths for your life, and we know you will be blessed. We now continue with part two from last week's message. We hope you are encouraged and challenged. There, there should be, though, in us as Christians a sense of, is somebody talking about Jesus? I want to find out what's going on. Because there's an attraction to who he is. Has Jesus Christ changed my life so much that when his name is spoken in a way that's proper and honorable, I'm queuing in. And when his name is spoken in a poor way, it agitates my soul. More than any other curse word, when I hear the name of God being defamed, especially the name of Christ, does it just grate upon me? This is the Christian experience. This is the Christian life. There's something about God's glory. I'm ready to jump in the fray to magnify him. I mean, just think about this biblically uh, speaking, because this is the sentence which it's used, just, just to, to jump in at any opportunity uh, to give him honor and glory. The Psalms, just spend time looking at the Psalms and see how quickly people go from, life is horrible, what have you done to me, God, three verses later, you're so incredible. It's like, just, this guy needs medication, Right? <laughs> But, but you see, as he's going through his pain, he starts to reflect on the majesty of God and the goodness of God and also what God looks like when he's gone from this earth, when they're in the presence of God, and he can bring glory to him. And so there's this sense of urgency to honor God for who he is, celebrating God for what he's done. Look at how God's worked in the Old Testament with my people in the past and how he's transformed us. And that's kind of one of the senses it's there. I'm ready to listen to what God has for me. I'm ready to listen to anything that has to do with God. I'm ready to jump in the fray. I want to glorify God. That's kind of a sense. And then the other thing is just willing to honor him. We see that in the Psalms all the way through. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that's used for for, uh, for glory or translated glory is the word kabod, <laughs> okay? Don't say that around anybody you don't want to get spit on. Kabod, it's just kind of back there. It's one of those weird sounds. And it, ha- it can be translated for glory, obviously, but it can also be translated for honor. That's how it's used. In the Greek word, the word is doxa, and it can, tra- it can, it can describe a manifestation of light, the glory of God, for instance, uh, used of Jesus Christ. He is, the manif- he is the radiance of the glory of God, Hebrews chapter 1. God spoke in all these times about uh, how he was going to interact with us and, and through these prophets, and now he's spoken to us by his son, why he is the radiance of the glory of God. And there it is. There's doxa. There's that whole thing. That manifestation of light, that amazingness that comes from Jesus, that excellent power and majesty or honor and good reputation. So let's just put all this stuff together, okay? I just threw a bunch of stuff on you. What does this look like? To put these things together, we can say that when we glorify God, we are expressing a state that is ready to distinguish God's honor, his power, his reputation in any way that would distinguish God properly for his person, okay? We, we are ready to, let me say that again, to glorify God, we are expressing a state that is ready to distinguish God's honor, his power, his reputation, and to do it in a way that would distinguish God properly for who he is. So now that I've kind of given you a sense of who is this God, this glory, this, this is how we pattern our life, I, I need to try to answer the question, why can God demand this kind of attention, okay? What, why does God have the right to demand this kind of attention? Here's where we were before, if you need to write that down or want to. 
Okay? And I'm going to get to that in a moment. So if you want to get ready to fill that in. Here's what the word of God says about God. This is the only way that we can understand why God demands this. Isaiah chapter 45. I am the Lord. Besides me, there's no other. Or other statements. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Another statement, Genesis, uh, Isaiah 45, 7. And if this does not scandalize your soul, you're not listening to this verse. Are you ready? Isaiah 45, 7. I, this is God speaking, I form light and create darkness. Okay, well, a reference to his creation. Great, I can understand that. I make well-being, I understand that, and create calamity. Ugh. Did they get this right? <laughs> Here's the rest of the verse. I am the Lord who does all these things. We're talking about the sun. The sun's amazing. Sun's glorious. I'm not talking like S-U-N, okay? Not S-O-N. Sun's amazing. Sun's glorious. You get too close to the sun and it will burn you. But there's a sense in which we need to get closer. So, so we come carefully. What does Proverbs say about the beginning of wisdom? What is it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I approach God not only as my father, which is just the amazing reality of Romans chapter 1 through 16, right? And the gospels and how Jesus Christ interacts with me. But I approach God with a sense of, I am not going to mess with him. Because he is a necessary being and I am not. How many of you here have a belly button? <laughs> yes, it is 8.30 and I asked that question. What does a belly button mean? Well, it means I have a knot somewhere in there because they had to tie it off when I was born. And that's exactly the point. That your life is absolutely contingent upon the life of another. If I die tomorrow or today, guess what? You guys wake up tomorrow and do your thing. The world keeps turning. Because my life is not necessary for this world to keep going. But God, there is no one like him. He is a necessary being. He demands that kind of respect and honor that only he can demand because of who he is. Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Paul, in his statement to the Colossians, which says Jesus Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. What does that mean? Live, and it lives. <laughs> I do that, live, and you're like, somebody give Terrell a breath mint. <laughs> he breathed a little too close to us. It means nothing. It means nothing if I say it. God's word has creative power in it, not only to encourage, but to sustain and to cause things to thrive. Now, I'm not, not going to try to piece together some of the tensions that I'm bringing into you. All I want you to do, guys, all I want you to do is to look at God in such a way where you say, 
Wow. That's it. Because that way, you start to really realize what it means when God says, give me glory. And I start to realize it. I mean, I'm talking through this stuff thinking, <laughs> I don't want to do this to God. I don't want to dishonor him. What happens when I sin? Here I am talking to everybody, hey, love Jesus, love Jesus. And I go do something stupid. I mean, when I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at the glory of God the way I should. No, if I'm sinning, I'm not. Revelation, Jesus Christ brings absolute justice to the world, wipes all the injustice out, and glorifies the Father through his life. This is what God does. The most powerful people in the universe, God just says, it's done, it's over, I'm coming, I'm fixing it all, bringing my people home, new heaven, new earth, we're ready to go. So our very breath is borrowed from God. And here is our statement. He is God, and we are not. We glorify God because he's God and we are not. He is omnipotent. Omnipotent. He is omniscient. He's omnipresent. And he is holy in all his attributes. Omnipotence. All power. All authority. Okay? When Jesus comes and he says to the disciples... All authority has been given me, therefore go. It's because he's already displayed his physical power. There's two words for power used in the New Testament. Dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite. And exousia, which is a power of right. He shows his dunamis in rising from the grave because he was perfect. He shows his exousia by saying, all authority, all exousia is given me. Now you guys go and tell other people about me, okay? He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. What does that mean? It means God knows the thoughts in your heart and mind before you even know them. He knows all things. Now, if that doesn't make grace amazing, you're not looking at God the way you need to. Okay, so how old are you guys? What's the median age? Just yell out your age for me if you want to. Fifteen. All right. Terrell, 44, Jesus knows the sins I will commit 15 years from now, and he still gives me his grace now. Mm. Glory. See, this reflects something of God's character. This is the person we're talking about that brought us to this conference, ultimately. Yeah, we want the fellowship. Yeah, we want to hang out. Yeah, we want to meet new people. Blah, blah, blah. Good stuff. But we've come... Because we want to refine ourselves in our walk with the Lord. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. I don't understand that, okay? Because it's not ubiquitous. It's not like you're spinning a fan and you just looks like it's there all the time, okay? You only have three blades on a fan. It spins really fast and it's like, wow, it's there. But there's actually gaps. God, that's not God in his omnipresence. That's how we use it from science standpoint. God's everywhere all the time, no gaps, Okay? That means he's here now. We're two or three gathered together. There I am in the midst of them. That's real. That's not some theological, mystical term. That's real in some spiritual way right now. And he is holy, which means that he is distinguished in his character above all others. He is perfect. He is the source of goodness, beauty, light, magnificence. He's the source of all that is beautiful. 
of all that is complete, of all that is perfect. That's what his holiness displays, as Daniel said earlier uh, in his message. So the more we consider this God, the more amazing we should, uh, or the more amazement we should have of him. And it should also do something to us, okay? This is what it should do to our perspective. Here's an analogy. Um, When I was growing up in Calgary, the only thing that would kill you was cold, right? Every year, I don't know what people were thinking. They'd get just stupid drunk, driving their car, a car would get stuck, they'd get stuck in some snow drift, and then they'd find the dead guy three days later who just decided to walk out and try to get home. It's 40 below Celsius. What are you doing getting out of your car, right? Well, he's not thinking because he's drunk. The cold would kill you, but pretty much, you know, like if you could survive nine months of cold weather and it wasn't that bad. I mean, if you were just smart, you could survive it. It's not a big deal. Stay in your car, keep a candle, keep blankets, you get out of there, no big deal. Totally different thing when I show up to Evansville, Indiana, and the siren goes off. It's like, what in the world? Like, air raid. No, no, tornado warning, you know. Potential of a tornado with this particular kind of rain. So we've actually found ourselves a couple times um, in our lives actually going down to the basement. You know, get everybody together, get everybody downstairs. Let's make sure if this thing is real. Honestly, now it's pretty bad because I'm like, the siren goes off and I'm like, ah, I'm going to trust in God's sovereignty. <laughs> okay. That's just stupid, okay? I'm just going to lay that out there because God works providentially through means. One of the things that he does is he, creation, he orders it to function a certain way. If I jump out of a plane without a parachute, I'm going to go splat. That's God's providential direction already. If I roll over when a tornado's coming, I'm going home to see Jesus. Okay? So when I ignore truth because I don't necessarily like it, it doesn't mean the truth's not there. I have never seen a tornado in real life. I've only seen pictures of it. So I could say, I think you're just blowing smoke. You know, I think little Martians came down and cut all the tops of the trees off really weird ways. That's what I think. And that sounds really stupid, but when somebody says, you know, I don't believe in God, I can't see him, you're like, dude, just look at my life. I was this person before, and then there's a transformation. Look at the existence of the Christian church. How in the world did a church start this way? Look at the fact that Jesus starts by telling two women who aren't necessarily honored in their society to, say, to be the first ones to say, I got to tell you that Jesus rose again from the dead. That stuff does not happen outside of the very power of God working to bring life through the Christian church. So... I can deny the reality of God and his power, but at the end of the day, when I stand before his presence, I will bow the knee. That's Philippians chapter 2. We'll deal with that the next time I speak. And what we have to deal with as we're interacting as God's people is to remind ourselves constantly that we will be in the presence of God. This is really the encouragement, the direction that Jesus Christ gives through, uh, for instance, Solomon and Ecclesiastes to remember that we're going to all give account before the Lord, do all these different things now, we can enjoy them, but remember we're going to give account. These are the things he talks about in the New Testament with respect to our Christian walk and our Christian life. So there's no one like him, my friends. This is the point with glory. No one like him. Distinguished in all his glory, glorify him because he is God and I am not. That's the point. Once we get that in our minds, then it's like, okay, that should affect how I work in this world. That should affect my perspective on this whole issue of glorifying God now with my eating and my drinking and what that looks like. I have to take into account 
this concept of God's glory when I'm actually trying to flesh this out. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about P4C, visit our website at p4csummit.org. Or you can email us at info at p4csummit.org. We hope you can join us next week on the P4C podcast as we listen to part three of this message. May God bless you as you seek to passionately live for his glory each and every day.